Hey everyone, my name is CJ and welcome to The Crashdown. After all the trauma the last few episodes, I think we all need a little sexual healing today. So it's a good thing that's the title of today's episode. According to Liz, it's February in the year 2000, and we're treated to another beautiful voiceover diary entry. Ooh, she's having a shower in the girls' locker room. It's all steamy. There's girls in towels. Ooh. And wow, I just have to warn you right now, this is a pretty heated episode. I've got to feel like at least seven minutes of a 42-minute episode was making out of different characters. Good job, Roswell. Anyways, today's topic is feelings. She feels like she's changing inside. It's chemical. It's something strong and dangerous, and she doesn't have a choice. And as she's saying this, she's in the shower and the water's running down her body, and then, ooh, what's that? We see Max walking into the area. Oh my goodness, what is he doing here? Then you hear Maria's voice, nice strawberries, and it cuts back to the crash down. Liz has been fantasizing at work, and she spills this bowl of strawberries all over the floor, and Maria is rolling her eyes because, ugh, seriously, we're still on this? But yes, guys, last episode, we never got a resolution. Because of everything that was happening with Michael, Liz never got a chance to talk to Max about the kiss in a blind date episode. So she still is believing that he has feelings for her until she's told otherwise. And of course, right at that moment, Max walks in because he eats like 50% of his meals in this cafe, apparently. He starts off by apologizing, oh, I hope I didn't startle you, because he walked in at the same moment that Maria called her name and spilled these strawberries. But she's like, no, 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 it's fine. But he just wanted to make sure that they could still be friends. He brings up the fact that they haven't talked, and she understands people do things when they're drunk. Max even tries to make a joke when she's going into the back, I guess, to wash the strawberries or get new ones. Uh, he follows her back there. And he makes a joke like, what have you been up to? And he's like, oh, you know, just trying to use my alien powers to take over the world or whatever. And it's the first time, like, Max is not really the funny guy. We have a lot of funny guys on this show, but Max certainly isn't one of them. Then he brings it back again, like, we can still be friends, right? Just friends. And they're getting really close. And then, boom, they start making out necking on the prep table. Now, I had said that Maria was unhygienic when she and Michael hooked up, but they had the decency to do it on the floor. Max and Liz are on this counter. They're shoving things out of the way. The strawberries go flying again. But they're touching all these pans and pots, and her ass is basically sitting on this counter. Oh my gosh. Come on, you guys. Be a little bit more responsible. Throughout this whole episode, though, these two are just going at it. They have been pent up for so long that all of a sudden it's got to come out anywhere and everywhere. And the way this girl is, like, moaning, whew, it just escalates through this whole episode. She is overwhelmed by his alien prowess, I guess, because she's having more of these flashes. And that, again, is its central theme to this episode. Every time that they kiss or touch each other, they each see each other's souls, as Max described it a couple episodes ago, but it's really more like their past and their history. So Max is getting things like Liz playing dress-up. He sees her as a little girl trying on dresses and jewelry and hats and makeup and such, 
and she is flying through space. She's whizzing past stars and galaxies. And throughout this episode, it progresses and it she's going on this journey. And that's what's prompting them to get together is they're being compelled by these visions. In the background, the whole time, there's also this beeping. That was actually the first image of the episode. There's a tower that kind of has like a signal on the top of it. And you're just hearing like beep, beep, beep. And that's what's happening in the background of all of Liz's visions too, is this beep, beep, beeping. We'll get to that in a minute though. At school, Maria and Liz are talking about what's been going on. Liz doesn't look normal. She's not like herself. She feels different ever since this kiss. Maria is still really worried for her, like, you didn't go beyond, because that's how Liz describes it, like, it was beyond, it was beyond, because she's outside of her solar system, outside of her galaxy, maybe, and so Maria's all worried, like, wait, it didn't actually go beyond, right? No, they were only back there for five minutes. She didn't go all the way. Her first time is not going to be between a plate of kielbasa and the deep fryer, and I like that Liz has standards. Meanwhile, Max and Michael are having the same kind of conversation, and I love when it cuts back and forth between two different sides of the same story. So Max is saying, it's amazing, it's incredible, is it always like this? He's asking Michael. Michael's like, yeah, you're not experiencing anything that I haven't, or caused, because he's cocky like that. But then Max says, well, then you're a really selfish friend, because how could you keep something like that to yourself? And to him, this is absolutely incredible. It's not just about seeing those visions, it's also feeling and experiencing what that person experienced, and especially when those visions are of each other. I mean, when someone cares about you that much, having that feeling suddenly flood over you would be overwhelming. We can only imagine how others feel based on the way that we feel for them, but the hopeless, pining romance admiration between these two characters. Oh, it's so sweet. If only they could curb their sudden lustful outbursts because it starts popping up all over school. Coincidentally, they're in science class, always science, but a different science class, always different. They're in class and the teacher's lecturing. They are giving each other like bedroom eyes is the nice term I will use. It was much more like F eyes. But this is not an explicit podcast, so we will keep it light. Um, but the way these two characters are staring at each other, though, Max slips her a note, and then he drops his pencil and he goes under the table. This time she doesn't join him, but he, her hand is by her side, and he is, like, rubbing it very seductively. She is, like, making these faces, and then she actually moans out loud in the middle of class. Maria and Alex are rolling their eyes. Holy crap, girl, control yourself. This girl is going to be a screamer. And then all of a sudden, like, Max pops up from behind the counter. And I'm like, oh my, the timing here is so ridiculous. Way to be more obvious about what you're doing. He's like, oh, I just dropped a pencil. But what, were you like fingering her under the table, dude? Come on. There's like 20 other people in this classroom. They're a foot away from you. You're not even in the back row calm yourself. Anyways, that's when she sees the note and oh, what does it say? The eraser room. That's a much more appropriate place to hook up. So yeah, of course they do. Except before they leave class, they do get a detention for being so disruptive. 
That's exactly how their behavior in the eraser room is described, though, too. These two are really going at it. And again, she's getting these visions, but there are these long moments of these close-ups of these two characters. The whole while, Liz is like, uh, uh, and then whispering about how amazing the other is, and should they be doing this, and I just need your hands on me right now. Well, of course, they're being so loud that the door to the eraser room swings open. They definitely get caught and called down to the principal's office. All their parents end up showing up, too, and Mrs. Evans is trying to ask the principal exactly what was going on. Oh, they were in the eraser room. You mean they were cleaning when they were caused this disturbance? And the principal's like, no, um, they were doing what we used to call making out. We're talking sexual activity here, not erasers. <laughs> oh, perfect. That is the perfect explanation. Liz's mom is really mad because they actually cut two classes to go there. How long were they in there? That's a marathon session, my goodness. But because they're honor students, the principal is going to let it go this time. Uh, but you get this really quippy line from the mother saying, I don't think the kissing was the problem so much as the volume. And, oh, there we go. Another, maybe it runs in the family. Maybe she's a screamer too. I don't know. But word of this makeout power is going around. And they want visions too. So Maria ends up going to Michael. He's sitting outside on the bleachers. Oh, you hear? What, that Max and Liz have found a new sensation? Doubtful. But then it cuts to them in the gym closet making out too. And when he's kissing her, she's like, Oh yeah, I'm seeing shooting stars and a sunset from the rings of Saturn. Oh, the most ridiculous thing. And he's like, Oh, I see a little girl with red sneakers. Oh, everyone wants in on this action. Even Alex. Alex goes up to Isabel at lunch one day and offers his services, you know, as a human experiment. If she wants to do some research, he'll make himself available at any time. Although I have to admit... If I had the chance to see visions like that, particularly the flying through space, I don't know if I want to know everyone's deep, dark secrets and weird, embarrassing moments, but flying through space, that would be pretty epic. After school, in detention, Liz shows back up at the science class, and as she's looking around the walls, she just so happens to see a picture of this galaxy. But wait, could there be a red planet here? And the professor, the teacher, I guess, he's just a high school teacher, uh, says to her, well, you know, it could be a red dwarf. That light wouldn't show up on the traditional telescopes, but it's close enough that Liz is now inspired by the beauty of the universe. And so when Max shows up, she has to share this with him. But not before the teacher gives her a detention assignment. Now, I'll admit, I was a pretty good kid. I didn't really get in that much trouble in school, but I didn't think you had separate assignments for detention. Does this guy come up with extra projects? And now what, he has to mark it? That doesn't seem very plausible to me. I feel like it's more about just sitting and doing your time or working on things quietly yourself. I didn't really think you got assignments like that. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe it was just my school. Is that something that happens in the South? I don't know. Write me in thecrashdownpodcast at gmail.com. If you know anything about detention, we can have a conversation about it. I really am curious about that. The only other example I know is The Breakfast Club, and that's not a very factual movie either, where they had to write that paper or something. 
I don't know. These are honor kids too. It's not like they need the grade. Anyway, that confused me. So then the teacher just leaves the room. I also thought that was kind of a cardinal rule of these are kids who misbehave. Therefore, they need more supervision. I mean, I know Liz is a good kid, but these two, like twice in one day, have been called out for like hooking up in places they should not be hooking up. So are you really just going to walk out of the room? Well, of course, for the plot purposes, they need it. Because this is where Liz tells Max, this is what I'm seeing. I think these visions and flashes are real. I think I'm seeing you. And it keeps getting closer and closer in all of her visions until she starts to see the earth from space. She thinks she's witnessing the crash. If that's the case, they need to follow this further. You don't see any more of what happens in detention if they do their assignment, if they hooked up, who knows. But when Liz goes home, her mom wants to have a real talk with her. And they are not as open as Maria and Amy were last episode. Liz has always been such a good kid that her mother never really had these talks. And because Liz is so shy, she doesn't want to hear about sex. When her mom starts opening up, like, oh, you can tell me. But then she goes on, don't ever have sex, don't ever leave home, always be my little baby girl. Um, hmm. If that's what you're going to try and do, it's not going to work. You are much better off to take the Amy DeLuca approach and say, look, I know things are going to happen, but I want to protect you. I want you to understand there are mistakes that can change your life. And I don't want to see you make one of those when you have so much potential in your future, rather than just trying to trample her down and, you know, keep her this sedated little girl in a box. It's not going to work. Anyways, moving on to Michael's new apartment. Whoa, it is a total dump. But that's pretty much what I would expect from Michael, because he doesn't have money, he doesn't have savings. I don't see him working anywhere, he can barely get through school. So it's this grungy, dirty little dive, and they're all talking about this experience with Liz and what she might be seeing. But throughout this whole scene, Isabel is nesting. She's trying to unpack, she's brought some stuff for him. But the things she's asking for are ludicrous, and it shows what a pampered life she's led. Because she asks him, oh, do you have a paper towel holder? Oh, do you have a juicer? He's like, you're pushing it, Isabel. Like, uh. And she opens the fridge, and she's like, not even baking soda will cure that. Um, yeah, that's, that's what I'd expect from Michael. And I don't think Michael really cares, because Hank's place was kind of a dump, too. Only this is like twice, three times as big as the trailer, and he doesn't have a drunken stepfather. So to Michael, I'm sure this is like a godsend. This is like a palace to him. Something of his own? He doesn't care. And Isabel can just be Isabel, and he's not going to deal with it. He's going to go pursue his own avenues, which again means hooking up with Maria. So this time they're making out, she's telling him, oh, that feels so good, but oh, you know, about those flashes, uh, I'm not sure if I've ever actually had one. A girl like Maria would fake pleasure? I can't believe it. I'm totally shocked. Sarcasm. I hope you got that. He is so hurt and you can see him instantly pull away. That manly pride has been wounded. The male ego takes a lot of pride in the amount of pleasure that they can provide their women. So for her to say that to him, who cuts him off. But then she gets mad because she can't talk to him. He gets so defensive and he just wants to walk away. And so she even says to him, well, maybe it would happen if you'd let your guard down. And he just looks at her and says, well, he lied too. 
And she's like, but I did have a pair of red sneakers. He's like, every kid had a pair of red sneakers. And he storms off. And of course, like last week, he was more vulnerable than he'd ever been with her. And then to say that she's faking it, it would have been better to say nothing at all. Here he thought he was having another link to his family, to his history, to his past. And nope, I was faking it. Oh yeah, I just made up some sky stuff. I think it's made all the worse from the fact that Liz's escapades are growing. She now has this glowing hickey on her neck. The next day at school, Maria points it out on their way to gym class. And again, gym, it's a big gym episode. But she has this glowing hickey, so she has to kind of hide it and hide from the PE teacher as everyone else kind of files outside. But then wait, what happens? Max walks into the girl's locker room, and you can kind of see her face like, what the heck? And he's looking shocked too, but he just had to see if what he saw in her was real. He had a vision of her fantasy, and he's like, it could have been my fantasy. I'm totally willing to put it out there that it could have been my fantasy except he had never seen the inside of the girl's locker room, and it looked exactly like his vision. And this is when that he feels what she's feeling comes up again. If they were getting down and dirty in the shower while they were getting clean, that would be pretty hot, because you would know exactly what she wanted and exactly what she liked. If she's picturing her ultimate fantasy, wow, what a leg up on the first time you actually do hook up with this chick. It'd be like, how do you know? Oh my gosh, you're a god. You know just what to do. She is excited about this. She likes his hands on her. This compulsion, these visions, these flashes are drawing them together like magnets. And I love that it's a throwback kind of to that pilot episode because that's how she trusts him, really, when she first got those visions, when he healed her. In one of the very first scenes, she saw him watching her all those years, longing to talk to her, admiring her. And that's how she knew he was a good person. Now for him to have those same visions that she thinks he's a good person, wow. And so when he goes to heal this glowing hickey, because she can't really walk around with a glowing hickey, she gets another vision, this time of army guys. She's thinking she sees this crash. Now, from whose perspective, we don't know. Is this in Max? Does he remember? Or is this being sent to her? Is this a signal? Or is this how they unlock their history? By connecting with humans. Isabel and Michael and Max all debate this. But either way, Michael's like, go for it. You have to go for it. He wants to know everything. And of course, he's always telling his friend to go for it. He's said that since the heat wave episode. He's even like, don't make me beg you to do something you already want to do. He even offers his apartment up to Max to have Liz come over, and she does, and then it's really awkward because they're all just standing there, and then Michael and Isabel kind of leave before he does. They're, oh, I've queued up some Shaka Khan. Is everyone just waiting to cheer them on like a football player? Um, pretty much. But Max is trying to be sweet. He's not going to pressure her. He's not going to go any further than she wants. But she's in this now. She has to know just as bad as him. So again, we have another long makeout scene where they're talking and she's undressing him and they're lying down on the couch. There's this heartbeat playing through the background too. Besides this beeping that starts appearing, there's just this thunderous heartbeat. You don't know if it's his or hers or theirs combined or for effect to draw you in. 
Either way, it makes the moment between the two of them really intimate. Everywhere he touches her, her skin starts glowing. She feels alive when she's with him. And she doesn't know whether this is making her sick or if she's getting sick when she's away from him. All the reason and logic are disappearing. And that's what was holding them back. They're so logical. They plan everything. So to have this moment where they're just being swept up by something larger than themselves is the only way that these two characters can get off their butt and actually do anything. Every time, though, these visions are growing, and this time she actually sees, like, a hole in the ground and something being buried under this tower. You don't really get to see what or by who, though, because all of a sudden Maria comes in. She was looking for Michael, probably to talk about what happened, but she ends up dragging Liz out and home and giving her this talk, like, I know Michael and I have done stuff, but we haven't gone that far, and you don't want them to hurt you and he could be like a spider and he'll eat you when you're done and Liz is defending herself. This is her. This is what she wants to do. And I honestly think it is. Liz does not stand up for herself very often and the only reason she's been denying Max as long as she has is because Maria's been telling her to. Michael and Max are not the same. Maria and Liz are not the same. Their relationships with their respective partners are not the same. You cannot generalize one piece of advice for multiple relationships. The way they feel about each other is different and I think I was having this debate with a friend of mine the other day. The next level, the next jump in communication is when we can transfer thoughts and feelings and emotions. And only then will conflict cease. Because if you could experience what your adversary is experiencing, you wouldn't hold so much contempt for them. You'd want a resolution that helps you both. So Liz is following her heart and not her head for once. Hmm, let me tell you, it gets her in some trouble. Because when Maria drops her off and she goes to sneak back in her bedroom window, her mom is waiting for her. Liz keeps saying she wants trust and she deserves trust because she's been so trustworthy. But getting detention, getting caught hooking up with a guy, sneaking out all in one day? That's a little over the top. The only reason I would cut her some slack is because it is only one day. I've never done anything like this before. But baby steps, my friend. Only break one rule at a time. See if you get away with that and then try and break another one. Don't sprint this thing. Disobedience is a marathon. Bit by bit, you have to break the mold. Anyways, her mom is trying to tell her and Liz is getting all defensive. It's my body. I can do what I want. But meanwhile, she's burning up. And again, is this an alien sickness? Is this something caused by her? Or is she just so flushed because she's excited and angry and nervous and scared and all these feelings? I'm not sure. I think at least some of it is alien, though, because then Max shows up. Oh my gosh, what time of night is this? This day has been going on forever. Anyway, I guess they don't hear Max because he climbs up her terrace and she goes out to him. They now believe these visions are truthful, and if they want to see what's buried, they've got to do it tonight. For some reason, it's like really urgent that it has to be tonight. Maybe that's because Liz knows she's not going to be able to go out on that terrace anymore. She's going to get punished, like they'll put bars on it or something. I don't know. But they decide to go out to the desert. She shows him a picture of the tower she saw and he says, oh, I'll take Michael. And is that really what you want to do? Well, No, of course not. He wants to go out to the desert and screw her. So that's kind of what they do. Liz and him drive out into the middle of the desert. 
they're looking around and they see all the stars because away from all the light pollution, you would see what it truly looks like from the heavens above as opposed to just, oh, I think I can make out Orion. Ooh, is that Cassiopeia? You would see every, every little sparkle in the sky. So it's super romantic. And the two of them have to decide what their next move is. Are they just going to start digging or, hmm... Should they try and look for some clues? That seems more efficient. And by clues, it's like, yeah, they're going to have sex. So they start making out and touching each other. And then they put a blanket down like, well, let's just lie down for a minute. It looks like they're going to go all the way. Max goes on about how I just can't not touch you. And are you scared? And well, I know I should be, but I'm going to put myself in your hands. Oh, some of this dialogue is super cheesy. It's so over the top. But at the same time, he's being respectful and she is being open. So I really respect that in some ways. You've got to keep those lines of communication open so both of you feel comfortable and safe and can enjoy yourself. And it looks like they're about to take that next last step when all of a sudden they hear the beeping, but not in the visions next to them. They hear it coming from underneath the ground, so they jump up, they grab their shovels, they start digging, and then a glowing beam of light shoots up from the ground, and they find this blue orb with that spiral symbol carved on it. You know, the one on the necklace, the one in the cave paintings, the one we've talked about 500 times because they can only come up with so many alien signals. But anyway, they find this orb, it's glowing, They have no idea what it's for. Is it a communication device? Is this signaling up into the sky because there was a beam of light? Who knows? And then with these two, it kind of cuts to the next morning. I guess they've spent the night out in the desert, what, like staring at this orb? They obviously, I don't think, did sleep together. I don't think that happened. Not that they would have shown it like on camera. But okay, I have to point out a little flaw. Um... Just because deserts are hot in the day doesn't mean it doesn't get cold at night. I know they're very far south, but we just said in the opening that this is February. And they've got their hideous matching leather jackets on. But I'm sorry, no, you're going to need more shelter than that. And that jeep is not going to cut it. So I really don't think they'd just be like falling asleep in the desert. And they even heard coyotes like when they were making out before they found the orb. This is like, what's that? When there's like an, oh coyote in the background he's like oh just a coyote and he keeps making out with her and I understand yes he could protect her but at the same time it seemed like such a typical guy response of oh forget it I'm getting I'm getting somewhere with a girl it doesn't matter it doesn't matter I'm sure it's nothing like all those horror movies where one of them wants to check out the noise and the other one's like I don't care if we get murdered if I have sex first anyways the two of them are lying on this blanket And then you just see this stranger, like, standing over them with this cowboy hat. I have to point out, though, that they put this glowing orb next to them on the blanket, like, not in a pocket. So if it was glowing, was it glowing all night? That would be a terrible beacon to anyone who was looking to get it. I thought you guys were in a rush to get this thing, and then you just leave it next to you? At least, like, cuddle up with it, or put it between you, or tuck it under the edge of the blanket or something. It's been buried for God knows how many years. It's gonna be fine. Anyway, this guy's like, oh, this is private property, you best be getting home. And, ugh, 
We'll get to the final scene in a minute. But I just thought, how irresponsible is that? If they think this is something from their home world, this is object number two from their home world in their entire existence. One is the stones that they treat like stress ball massage balls. And then this orb that they're just like, yeah, whatever, we're chilling in the desert on private property, like two kilometers away from the crash site. Ridiculous. Ridiculous. Meanwhile, their parents are freaking out. Everyone knows now that Max and Liz have been out for the night. Isabel shows up at Alex's house and she's like, oh, Max and Liz are missing. He's groggy. It's obviously really early in the morning. And he's like, okay, uh, I guess I'll go grab my keys. We'll look for them. And she's like, wait, no, it's okay. You, you can kiss me. Maybe it'll generate some information. He does not need to be told twice. He's like, yes, ma'am. And so he kisses her. And it's supposed to be this sweet, tender kiss, I think. But it just feels so awkward. One, he's probably got bad morning breath. And two, it's so not romantic when someone's like, kiss me. Like, okay, unless you... Already, I kind of take that back. It can be really romantic if you like someone and you feel like they want to. But waking them up in the early morning to be like, I need to generate information whatever. They kiss for a decent amount of time, and then Isabel leans away and is like, oh, nothing. And he looks really hurt. Aww. She's like, nothing relevant to the current crisis. Alex apologizes, but definitely wants to make sure that she knows he is available whenever, wherever, for further research. Isabel walks away, and when he's saying this, he's kind of yelling it after her as she leaves. She's smiling. And I want to think that's because she really likes Alex, but then you also get this feeling because it's freaking Katherine Heigl. I know I promised earlier on we'd get to it, and we will. We will. But I always just feel this layer of insincerity that I think she likes being popular, she likes being liked. That's how shallow she was at the beginning of this series. So sometimes I can't help but think she's actually using Alex. We'll leave that up to interpretation. That's another one where I'm, hmm... I'm not sure. What I am sure about, though, is how much I love Maria and Michael together. She shows up at Michael's apartment, and of course he knows about the situation already, but she just asks him. She needs him to not be cold or mean right now. And if that's something that's going to be impossible for him, just let her know right now. But he steps aside and lets her in and has to kind of shove a bunch of things off the couch because he was obviously sleeping there. And she sits down and just wants to kind of apologize for faking it with him. Because she fakes so many things with so many people. Looking back on just these few episodes, you see it. When she's got the water bra, when she's trying to lie about going to college parties, how she comes up with things to cover for these aliens all the time. She's just in this constant state of insecurity. So she projects these images out to the world so that they'll like her more. And we love you, Maria, already. You don't need to do this. But that's why she faked it with Michael, because she knew what he wanted. And if giving that to him meant he liked her, how could she not? He was just the first person she was actually honest with, saying that she was faking it. That took a lot of courage. And I think it's that honesty... And the fact that she was there for Michael, that makes Michael have a real moment too. That it wasn't her. She wasn't the one that was shut down. He was. She was right the whole time. 
and he can prove it because she did let him in. When he said that he saw the red sneakers, he was telling the truth. When he said that it was a lie, he was lying. He was hurt. He wanted to lash out. That was one thing that he could just say that he knew would cut her. But he can tell her. One of the shoes had a Kermit patch on it. They had bright blue laces. And in that scene, he saw her Dalmatian dog licking tears off her face. Oh, okay, you couldn't fake that. And I doubt anyone would have a photograph of Maria crying with a dog. That would be something that you would go and comfort your child. So when he said she wasn't shut down, she wasn't. She had actually opened up to him. And for Maria, that is huge. She has all these projections to keep the world at bay. But she did let him see her. He was the one that held back. He was the one that was reserved. You see, that dog died when she was about seven years old, just after her dad left. She has really strong feelings attached to that. I think that's why it was so ingrained in her and that's why he saw that because there was a powerful emotion tied to that moment. And he even says, I saw a bunch of other stuff too. And she kind of gets embarrassed. But I think she really appreciates that. And that's why I have hope for these two. I don't know if I feel it between Isabel and Alex, but Maria and Michael, like I've said before, they balance each other in really weird ways. Right now, Michael's not really giving Maria a lot, but Maria is doing worlds, worlds of good for Michael. I can't wait to see that progress even more in the coming episodes, and maybe even future seasons. Who knows? We've still got two more to go. I can't believe we're as far as we are already. Are you guys sick of me yet? Anyways, we want to wrap up the episode at this point. So Max and Liz are driving home in the Jeep, and they're talking about the fact that now that this kind of impetus to get together is gone, is there anything left between them? Was it all about finding this stone, rock, orb thing? Or was any of it real? Because, you know, a girl could feel kind of used, but then Max throws it back at her like, well, a guy could feel used too. I'm sure there's a lot of girls who would kill to fly through the universe. And yeah, well, yeah, if you could make out with a decent looking guy and go see the universe, that would be a pretty big draw. But no, they seem to be kind of together now. When they kiss, they're no longer having these flashes. But Max still thinks he's good for her. He saved her from having to watch Kyle barf after chugging a bunch of beer. And she laughs like, well, that actually kind of happened. She's like, oh, so can you see my destiny? And he says he only sees what he hopes to happen. Aww, the two of them are going to be together forever. Or not. Because as they walk into the crashdown, all four parents are there. The mothers are leading the charge. The men kind of want to give them a break. You know, they're only kids. They're really good kids. They haven't really done anything like this before today. <laughs> Even though it's been a whole day of shenanigans. So maybe we should give them the benefit of the doubt. But... Mrs. Parker is being kind of a biatch here. She's like, well, what else could they be doing? Like, I think maybe they should spend some time apart. They shouldn't be seeing each other anymore. And Mrs. Evans kind of agrees. What else are they going to be doing? What other explanation could they have? Because who could guess aliens? Who could guess that? Uh, I think this is 
tragic, though. I understand people are scared. They want to protect their kids. They don't know what's going on. Their kids have been out all night. But, oh, banning a kid from seeing someone they like is going to make it that much worse. They have so many classes together. They have mutual friends. It's never going to work. And trying to stomp your child down only breeds rebellion, people. Talk to them. Listen to them. These two, now that they've committed to each other, nothing's going to let them keep each other apart. They've spent episodes and episodes now debating this, and they're finally realizing what they have is worth the risk. So when the two of them walk hand in hand towards the crash down, they walk inside, and you see all the parents' faces because they're holding hands, but then they each kind of step to the side away from each other, leaving a giant gap between them. And I get this is for cinematic effect, so you can see the two of them their hands united and all the parents shocked faces in between because they are trying to say like, oh, maybe they didn't do anything. Maybe, you know, but oh, no, here they are. They come back together, holding hands, flaunting it in our face. <sighs> Again, kids, that's not the way you approach your parents either. You might as well wave a flag saying, I'm going to get pregnant. Uh, yeah, that's going to send up warning signs. You should have just walked in together and been like, oh, I'm sorry, we were doing an experiment and watching the stars and then we fell asleep. It was part of that detention assignment. I don't know, come up with something. Why would you not have brainstormed before you walked in to a huddle of your parents freaking the F out? We don't get to see the conclusion of this, though, because it fades to black and the credits start to roll. But there's obviously going to be some fallout next episode. And now we're getting into a string of episodes that, ooh, lots starts happening, information starts flowing, but, hmm, some of the storylines don't quite go where I want them to. I don't know if you agree. We're going to meet a certain someone, or some someones, uh, tune in to find out who. Until next week, you guys, happy Roswell watching.